picture of as God's kingdom comes, how it brings the sort of abundance and prosperity and peace and righteousness that that God desires for the world. And we've been uh, we've been talking about about that. And this morning it's a little bit different. We're we're looking at God's heart for for peace and justice in our lives and in the world. How are you guys doing? Good. I, man, I'm excited to be here this morning. I just want to say that. I'm excited about what God is doing. And I, I had a sense the last couple of days just praying about today and, and even this morning more and more that, man, God was wanting us not just to come together and, like, do church, but that there were things he wanted to do in this time to bring breakthroughs in our lives. And I believe he's doing that. Anyone else believe that? Good. I honestly, I, that was so good. When, when Jehu got up there this morning and started dancing, it was like, man, that's the kind of breakthrough I'm talking about. I mean, we got a bunch of people singing about we're dancing here, but we're not dancing here. And then Jehu and I talked to him. He was like, yeah, I just felt like I was, the whole story in the Bible about this guy who wanted to dance before God and someone made fun of him. But he said, I don't care. I'm going to dance before God. And he stood up here and he did it. And there was a breakthrough that happened not just in his life, but in other hearts as well. And that's really what we're talking about this morning, is that God is wanting to bring his atmosphere into the world. Just like the atmosphere kind of changed in this room this morning. God is changing the atmosphere. And he changes his atmosphere not through like fairy dust, just like dropping places, but he changes it through people. He changes it through people that have been born again, and that are listening to him and stepping out in faith in the things he's calling them to. And so we're talking this morning about standing up for peace and justice. We're talking about how God is wanting to do a work in our life that we're the people that step up like Jehu did in different, different situations in our life. And that it changes the atmosphere of what's going on around us. And you know, I was thinking a couple, of, a couple of days ago, just like, okay, it'd be good if I had a good opening story in my own life, you know, maybe somewhere where I you know, just kind of was a little weak in this area. And I can't really think of anything. And, I mean, that's, the, yeah. All right, I'm not even going to try to dig out of that hole. But I, that story didn't come to mind. And then yesterday morning, something happened. That was not just a little weakness. It was like, oh, my goodness, what a wimp you are. You just totally missed it. And what happened is we, we had our Knowing God class at our office down the street, and I parked a couple blocks away, and right next to, uh, there's a fraternity there. And there was, you know, normally at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, frat guys are not awake, but because of the football game, there were like 30 guys in the parking lot because they were getting ready to go start their tailgating and stuff over at the stadium. And so I, I pulled onto the street, I got out of my car, and started walking towards the office. And as I, as I started walking, I heard one guy just, just say to, the, to his buddies, hey, or he actually called across to his friend, like, hey, Ryan, I forget what his name was, but hey, Ryan, I got a picture last night of your girlfriend's backside. And he didn't use that, those words, but he... <laughs> and he was like, hey, everybody, come look at this. And, you know, honestly, it's just like one of those... Things, it's like, oh, there's frat guys being frat guys again. And I just started walking down the street. And I was about half a block away, and I was just so convicted that, oh my goodness, that is so wrong. You know, here, I, that's so wrong. That 
here he is, just like the ultimate abuse of women, and looking at women as objects, and here this girl was in a compromised position the night before, probably alcohol involved, and there's some sort of picture, and he's gathering all, all his frat boys around to see the picture, and the boyfriend's right there, and he's just kind of looking and like not doing anything, not sticking up for his girlfriend, and but what's worse than that is these guys are probably, they're probably none of them are Christians or, you know, not living for God. But here I am in this situation, and I'm walking away from this situation. I was like, I, sh- I was like, I should have, that was a perfect opportunity to go in and talk to say, hey, hey, dude, that's not cool. What you're doing is not cool. Like, you're supposed to be men. You're supposed to be protecting women. You're supposed to be protecting their honor and standing for them. And you're you're supposed to be, you know, ultimately finding the person you're going to be committed to for a lifetime and honoring her. And this this is not cool. This is not what you're made to live for. But, of course, that's what I thought of later. That's not what I I did. But, and so how often do we do do that in our life? You know, how often is there a situation where there is a, a call for, for righteousness, a call for justice, a call to change what's going on. But we, out of, out of fear or insecurity or cowardice or whatever it is, we, we miss the opportunity. We don't step into that. And, you know, it's, as we were thinking about this series, we were thinking about and just the, the problems in the world that people are so overwhelmed by that are overwhelming. You think about peace and the, the lack of peace in the world. I think of ISIS and the whole the threat of, of extremist Islam and, or Islamism, the desire to take over the world from an Islamic perspective and the terrorism behind that and you know, all the, the violence in, in America and the stuff going on. I think of these huge problems that are really beyond any one of our ability to solve, at least by ourselves. But yet, there are so many smaller situations all around us where things are not the way God wants them to be, where there is an opportunity, where there is something that can be done, where God is looking for people who will step up and have something. And we're looking at how God is enough for us, not only enough for us to get our, you know, to feel good about ourselves, and I'm not making light of that, we, we need that, but believe today that God is wanting to do something in our hearts that would cause a courage and a boldness to rise up. That there would be enough for us from God that we would be able to step up and make a difference in the world. And you, know, you look at any change that happens in history where there's an injustice and it changes, it's because someone stepped up and said enough is enough. Last week we talked about the issues of ethnic reconciliation and differences between cultures. And the civil rights movement is a great example of this, is that here there was this, this horrible injustice of racism and enforced with Jim Crow laws and the mindsets that were so entrenched. And really what caused that to break was that a number of people said, enough is enough, the system that's in place is wrong, and we're going to stand up to it. And the leaders of the civil rights movement, you think of Rosa Parks, as this, like, the story's kind of like, yeah, there was this, this little, this, this lady on a bus, and she was just tired that day, and she didn't want to go to the back of the bus that day. But that's not really what happened. 
Actually, the civil rights leaders were looking for someone who could challenge the back of the bus rules. And they were looking for someone who was willing to take that step. And she was the one that responded and that they vetted. And it's like, okay, she's got what it takes. And so it was an intentional move of, of civil disobedience, of saying, no, this isn't right, and I'm going to pick my moment, and I'm going to sit down in a spot and get arrested, and we're going to challenge the situation right here. And if you look at the different school integration issues, there are, that's basically what happened. There were so many places where blacks and whites were separated, but even after the law changed, people would not go to those schools because they would be persecuted, they would, they, they, were, their job, they would be fired from their jobs, their houses would be attacked, etc. But certain people said, you know what, we'll be willing and to send our kids to those schools. And I just read the story of this, this girl named Ruby Bridges in New Orleans. And that's what happened. The law had changed, and they were looking for someone who would be willing to go to a white school. And Ruby Bridges' parents said, all right, you know, we've got this little girl. She's, she's in early elementary school, but we want to make a difference. And... They, she was the one who was the first kid to go to a, a white school. And there's the first day of school. There are U.S. Marshals walking her into that building. And actually, no, no teacher would, would teach her except one teacher. The only one teacher in the whole school was willing to teach her because of the repercussions and their own prejudice and all. And so that teacher spent the whole year teaching her one-on-one -on -one like it was a classroom, like it was a full class. But that was what broke the back of segregation in, in New Orleans. And it was case after case like that of someone who said, you know what, we're willing to step forward. I mean, look, at that's just a little girl. But her act of bravery caused major change to, to happen. And, you know, it's easy to see in the world the lack of peace, the lack of justice. But that's not God's desire. And in, in Matthew 16, we see the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and he says, this is how to pray. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the ultimate prayer, as far as what does God want us to, after we acknowledge who he is, it's okay, God, bring your kingdom to the world. It's not here yet, fully. It, it is here. But there is a whole, a whole lot of places where his kingdom is, is not, it's, it's not the effect of his kingdom yet. But God, pray, God, bring your kingdom. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that begs the question, what is, what's God's kingdom? What does it look like where God's kingdom is? And the kingdom of God literally means the, the reign of God, the rule and reign of God. It's where things are done the way God wants them to be done. Your will be done. It's where God's will is being done. And the best, uh, another really good description of the kingdom in the Bible is in Romans 14, 17, where the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Man, that sounds like a good kingdom to me. Where's the kingdom of God? It's where there's righteousness. And righteousness, that word righteousness is the same word uh, that's justice. Whenever you see justice or righteousness, it's the same idea. We're going to look at that in a little bit. But justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God's kingdom is. Um, righteousness equals justice, as I said. Justice is the idea of judicial approval. That the judge says, 
yes, this is good, or you know, this is what needs to be done to address that situation. So righteousness equals justice, which is judicial approval, which is really what is right according to God, or rightness according to God. Where is there a kingdom? It's where there's justice. Where's justice? It's where it's, it's right. Something is the way God desires it to be. Peace, we think of peace a lot of times as, you know, you got the peace symbol, you know, like, okay, who likes peace? It's the, it's the hippie sort of folks, you know, it's like non-confrontation, let's all just get along, let's accept everything, but the biblical idea of peace is, it involves a, uh, a lack of conflict, but only after conflict. It's peace that's the result of enemies being defeated. It's, there's peace because there was hostility, and then there was a conflict, and the good guys won. And now you got peace. Now, our culture, we want to talk about peace as just like, hey, like, don't stir things up, don't, don't cross anybody, acceptance and, of everything. Okay, we, we call that peace, but there's no real peace. Because you've still got things that aren't right. You've still got things that are unjust. You still, there's not the rightness according to what God says. And so it's not real peace. In fact, the Bible over and over again, it, talks, it, it, it condemns false prophets who, who say, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Who want there to be, a, like, yeah, we have peace here, right? But really, there's not the kind of shalom, the kind of peace that God wants to bring in. Real peace only comes when injustice is dealt with. The idea of peace is, uh, that in, the, in the Hebrew mindset, it was literally like that your foot is firmly planted on your enemy's neck. Then you got peace. All right? That's when you have peace. And so, you're like, man, I thought God was like, you know, a pacifist. Well, no, that's, that's, you haven't really read the whole Bible very much, if, if that's your idea. In Romans 16.20, Paul is, is writing his, his book to the Romans. He's, he's finishing this book, and he says this. He says, the God of peace, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's kind of like an oxymoron to us. Right? The, way, the God of peace? I thought he just like he loved everybody. No, he, no, he's crushing the enemy. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Right? I love that. It's like, hey, God is a God of peace, and therefore he's defeating our enemy. He's defeating the devil in your life, in your situation, in the place where there's conflict, in the place where you've got insecurities, you've got fears. You got things you're wrestling with. You, there's injustice going around, around on, and unrighteousness, and outside and inside. Hey, God is going to crush that under your feet as you trust Him. May the grace of God be with you. And that's what God is wanting to do in our lives as well. You know, it puts a whole new spin on. You know, it's really the idea of. It was when I was growing up back in the '80s. The idea of peace through strength was President Ronald Reagan was, was kind of his big, you know, a, a slogan of, of his philosophy. And I, I kind of hesitate to mention Ronald Reagan because people assume, oh, you're a Christian and therefore you're a diehard Republican. And that's, that's not true. But, I, but Ronald Reagan had a lot of insight. And the idea that I grew up in the Cold War where it really was like, you, I remember reading Reader's Digest in my grandparents' bathroom, and it was always like, man, 
we may not be around next year because of nuclear proliferation and like there's you know the, the West against the red red communist world and the Soviet Union and it, there really was this sense of oh my goodness this is this is really dangerous this is really bad and but it was such an evil it was such a powerful force the Soviet Union that the tendency was to like try to to not not make it, don't let them be mad. Like, let's not anger them too much. But Ronald Reagan had a very different approach. And he directly called the Soviet Union an evil empire. Which was just like, oh my goodness, don't say that. They're going to nuke us. <laughs> don't mess with them. If, we all know they're evil empire, but don't say it. But he had the guts to call it an evil empire. And there was power in his words. In calling it what it was. That... It began, there was a, a resistance, and even in the evil empire, realizing, oh man, yeah, okay, we're starting to cut through all this and realize, okay, things aren't what they mean to be. He, he was in Berlin, and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, the wall that separated East and West Berlin. And like a year later, that wall came down. There was peace through strength. There were untold peoples that came out from the power of totalitarian regimes. Because someone had the courage to stand up to injustice. And that's what God calls us to as well in, in different areas of our life. It gives a whole different twist to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In, in Matthew chapter 5, 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? We tend to think, like, okay, that means be really nice. And just like help people sweep their differences under the rug and try to get along. But there's an aspect of if you're going to be a peacemaker, that means you've got to deal for real with the real stuff that's not right and call it what it is. And those who do that are called sons of God. Now, we, we often tend towards other approaches, like me yesterday morning. That's um, the first approach we often tend towards is avoidance. Okay, here's this uncomfortable situation. Here's this stuff I, you know, I kind of know it's not right, but let's just avoid what's going on. Let's, let's try to, to, you know, just get away from it. Reagan and I, on, a couple nights ago, we, were, we watched the first episode of, on Netflix of the, a show I'd never seen before, but Very British Problems. Any of you ever seen that show? All right. <laughs> it, was, it was actually pretty entertaining. My wife lived in Great Britain growing up, so it was, it was a special interest to her. But they talked about, it was, it was very funny, but the whole first episode was about problems British people have. Basically, they don't like interacting with others. And so, like, if you talk to a stranger in the street, like, they're like, stop it. Like, Ameri an American will tell a Brit, have a nice day, and they're like, that's up to me. You have no right to tell me to have a nice day. <laughs> and then they're like, and actually that's way too optimistic also. Like maybe have a nice 15 minutes, but there's no way I could have a whole nice day. So it was a very humorous show. But it was funny talking about the ways people bend over backwards to avoid uncomfortable situations in dealing with other people. And on the subways and all sorts. And so one guy told the story, okay, so if, if you get a... Sometimes you can avoid this by getting a signed ticket, like on a train. So there's nothing, you know, okay, I want to sit by the window, I sit over there, I pick my spot. I know I'm going to sit right there. 
But it backfires if someone has the gall to take your seat. Because you're trying to avoid conflict and interaction with people, but then you have a ticket with that seat number, and then someone's sitting on your seat in the train. And the guy said, you know, if that's happened to me, and I would rather stand up for the whole trip than talk to that person who's sitting in my seat. And I was like, well, that is avoidance. How many of us can relate to avoidance? Yeah, it's like, oh my goodness, I'll just do something different. I want to avoid the situation. Um, that doesn't really lend to true peace. The second approach is appeasement. We try to appease things. The classic example of this is, is Neville Chamberlain, the, the Prime Minister of, of Great Britain. We're bashing on the Brits a lot here today. <laughs> but he was right leading up to World War II. And he was famous because Hitler was, was, was building his army and starting to take over land after land. But the whole philosophy of Chamberlain and the British government was, oh, let's not... Let's just try to avoid another war. We already had World War I. That was rough. Let's, do, let's not have another one of those. And so they tried to just do everything they could to appease him. And there came a point in time when Hitler went into, the, into Czechoslovakia and took that territory. And they're like, oh, man, this is getting bad. And so Chamberlain and others went to Europe, and they had this meeting with, with Hitler. And he came back. And he, this was what he told the, the, the British people. He said, okay, we have settled the Czech problem. And really, it's a prelude to the larger settlement that we've achieved. And he, he said this. He said, this morning, I had another talk with the German chancellor, Herr Hitler. And here is a paper which bears his name upon it as well as mine. It was interesting. He, like, he signed this paper with, with Hitler. And it, it was an agreement. It was an appeasement. And it basically, it said, hey, we won't mess with anything you've done so far, as long as you promise you'll be good now. And you won't do any more bad things. You won't take any more territories. And so he came back, he's like, yeah. And so Hitler agreed that he's going to be nice now. And he's not going to go anywhere else. And uh, you know, we regard, the, this is what he said, we regard the settlement, the agreement signed last night as symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. And then he said, my good friends, I, the British Prime Minister, have returned from Germany bringing peace with honor. I believe it is peace for our time. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Go home and get a nice, quiet sleep. And so there was an appeasement with the enemy. So, hey, we have achieved peace. Now just go home and have a nice night's rest. Sleep well. The only problem is a year later, well, soon after that, Hitler went into, into Poland. And within a year, England and France and much of Europe were full-blown in war with Hitler because you can't appease evil. You can't make truces and bargains and say, okay, you can go this far and I'll stay over here and we'll work it out. And you know, this is true on global events, but it's also true in our own lives with the little compromises, the little issues, the little stuff. We're like, okay, you know, we'll go this far but no farther. But if you don't stand up to, to what's not just in God's eyes, it, it, it always backfires. So there's avoidance, there's appeasement, and then the third one's another fun one. It's being a sidekick. Now, every bully has a sidekick, right? I mean, all the movies, you know, we've got a picture here from the Christmas story. You've got the, the dude here, you know, the little bully, and then you've got his sidekick. And so he's, ah, he's like, 
And then you've got the guy next to him who's kind of like, yeah, that's right. And so a lot of times we're not brave enough to be the bully, but we're, we're with them, basically. Like we're, we're right there next to them, and so in all, for all practical effects, we're the sidekick of what's going on. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, that whoever is not with me is against me. Now, if we're in a situation and we're not with Jesus, then that's not neutral. That's actually being a sidekick of the enemy. We're actually siding with him. And so, you know, I think it's... The problem is this, is that when we look at who are the enemies of peace and justice that need to be dealt with, well, it's obviously the devil and, and his forces, the powers of darkness... But the other reality is that the enemy of peace and injustice is sin in the hearts of people. And it's sin in the hearts of us. Is that wherever there's undealt with sin in us, then the problem is not just out there, but it's in here. And this is where I, like I talked a lot of, a couple of weeks ago, like people say, yeah, we want justice, but man, do we want justice? Because if God was going to judge the world justly, that would mean he would have to punish every unrepentant sinner. And God is gracious and patient and not wanting to punish people. And that is the whole beauty of the gospel. The beauty of that God becoming a person and living a perfect life and then dying a painful death on the cross. was That was... God's love and God's justice at the same time. That God said, hey, I don't want to punish you, but my justice requires that there must be a punishment for evil. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to become a man, and then I'm going to take the punishment that you deserved. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says it like this. It says, for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, or the justice of God. So he took our sin, that we could become his righteousness. So the justice of God could be satisfied, as well as his love. Ephesians 2.14 says, He himself is our peace. That our peace does not come from ourselves, but Jesus became peace for us, and for the world, when he lived a perfect life, and then died on that cross. He became the source of peace for us. In Colossians 2.15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. This is the whole sticking your, sticking got his foot on the neck of the enemy. That there was injustice, there was evil, but Jesus took it out on the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, the bad guys. That really was... The imagery that was used of a Roman army when they would have a military defeat, they would come back to Rome and they would parade their enemies. They would strip them down naked and parade them through their streets and everybody would laugh at them and mock them. And this is saying that's what Jesus did to evil. This is what Jesus did to the enemy. And so, that's the good news is that the evil that was in us, God dealt with. And... He wants us then not to turn around to people and go, hey, yeah, you know, you're, you're bad. But to bring the message of peace that he's given us and to, to, bring, that, to bring that into the world around us. Um, 
You know, I, I love that the, that's, God's grace is not just to forgive us, but to put a courage in our heart. I, I'm a dad, and there are a lot of mistakes I've made as a dad. But there was one time I got it right. One time. I got it, so I'm going to tell you that story so I can remember it. No. But my, my son, Cade, who I've got to deal with my kids, and if I tell a story about him, I've got to pay him a dollar, and we have to agree to it first. So we talked about this. And there might be inflation now because he's not nine anymore when we made this deal. But we may need to re- renegotiate. But there was a time when there was a kid in our neighborhood who was in, in his friend group, one of his friends, but this kid was kind of a bully. And he was older than Cade. And he would just sometimes just mess with him and pick on him and make fun of him. You know the stuff bullies do. And, and he felt like, man, there's nothing I can do. And he, one time he, he came and he told me, like, Dad, I, just, I don't know what to do. Like, he does this to me over. And I, just, I could just tell he felt like, like nothing. He felt defenseless. And so I knew. I was like, okay, hey. I know, I know this guy's older than you, he's bigger than you, but can you take him? And Kate was like, well, kind of like, I thought you wouldn't want me to do that. <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to fight. I was like, no, could you take him? He's like, well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I could take this guy. Like, okay, I give you permission. And if this happens again, you can take him. Just take him down to the ground and take care of the problem. And so he could, he's kind of like, okay. <laughs> and lo and behold, a little time went by, and there was a nice snowy day. And Cade spent the whole day building a snow fort in the front yard. And then, he, after his masterpiece was completed, this kid came over and looked at it, and then he just started kicking it over. And without a moment's hesitation... Cade jumped on him, got on his back, stuck his face in the snow, <laughs> rubbed it in, the, in his face, and then started like putting snow down his coat and, and all over. And he was just like, I think his hands were somehow pinned under him in his jacket. And after a while, he started whimpering and crying, and Cade let him up, and he kind of cried and went home. And never again did that kid bother Cade. Peace was accomplished. Justice was accomplished. Yeah, it's an awesome story. <laughs> now, I believe there are, there are bullies that we all have. And there, are, there are bullies in our lives that are like that. It may, be, uh, it may be a fear. It may be an insecurity. It may be the, the fear of sharing your faith. Um, uh, it... Whatever it is, there are things that, that are just like that. They're in our life, and they, they speak to us, and they have a place of, of power over us. It may be a, a habit or a, a sin pattern that we've fall we fallen into and not been able to get out of. And that, that evil has just got a place over us and just taunts us. Ah, I got you. You can't do anything about that. And God doesn't, that's not, the, that's not what he has for us. And I believe he's, he's that kind of father, like that he would speak to us and say, you know what, you can take this. I'm in here. I've given you something greater. I've won the victory over that enemy. And you don't have to take it anymore. 
you can step up to it in me and say, hey, enough's enough. And we're gonna, I, I want to take care of that for you. And so, this is what we're going to do. Um, the title of this message is Standing Up for Peace and Justice. I'm talking about standing up to stuff in our life. And I think a lot of times we, we really try on Sunday morning to, we want to have a, an atmosphere that's welcoming and inviting. But I think sometimes maybe we've, we err too much on like realizing, but something's got to happen too. Like, there's got to be something God does in our life. And we want to see God do things in our, in, in our time together. And so I want to just give you all a chance. And this is not to, to manipulate. Or, but if you're like, man, today, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. We're gonna, and worship team, why don't you go ahead and, and come on up here. Um, we're going to sing Good, Good Father, really how God is that kind of father who puts something in us that says, hey, you can stand up to those things. This is who you are. This is who I am. But I want to say, if you're here today, and you're like, you know, there's been a bully in my life, that I've been under it, but I want to, I want to take a stand against that thing. Then I want, we want to, I want to give you a chance to stand up and just let people around you pray for you and let them know what it is and pray for you and believe that this could be a, a first step and standing up to that thing and seeing God do a real work in your life. Um, yeah, is there anyone in that place you're like, man, there's something today. I want to believe that I stand up to this thing that, I've never st- that, I, that has had me until this point. If that's you, go ahead and stand up. I want to also ask you this. Awesome. If you're, if you're here today and you're like, you know, there's, a, there's an injustice or something in the world that that um, God's put in your heart, man, I, I want you to stand up to that. Maybe it was what I mentioned earlier, like the mistreatment of women. Or maybe it's um, false religions and the, the stuff, you know, the beliefs people have that keep them in bondage. And God's saying, man, I, I want you to stand up and bring the truth into that area. Maybe it's he wants you to be an advocate for, for children or uh, orphans or the unborn or whatever it would be, then I want to stand with you and the people around you stand with you and say, yeah, let's believe God to, to put something in you in this time. And you know, the, the, the God would use you to be an advocate and someone who brings change in that area. And I also want to give you a chance to, if you've never come out from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God, if your whole life has been under the power of the enemy, sin has ruled you, fear has ruled you, today could be the day of saying, no, I'm going to turn away from that and trust in Jesus and the work he did on the cross and step up and see God do work in my life. We want to, this could be the moment, I want to give you a chance to stand up if that's you as well. Um, those around these people that stood up, my Maybe two or three people. If, if there's someone you know, you want to pray with them. Go ahead and stand with them and pray together. I want to pray. I'll, I'll pray first for all of us. Let's believe God to do a great work in our lives. Father, 
Thank you that you've overcome. God, I thank you that you made us to be courageous people. There's something in us that's not going to be at peace. That knows we're, we're just not living fully the life we're meant to live. If there's not an element of risk and courage and stepping out. God, I, I thank you for these people whose hearts you're touching this morning. Lord, we agree together for this, even right now, for a fresh dose of the power of God, for boldness, for courage, for faith. Pray for a, a holy discontent with the status quo. For something to rise up inside hearts this morning to say, no, that's not okay. God wants to do something in this situation. I want to be part of that. But I believe even right now for, for patterns to fall off, for old strongholds, old ways of thinking, old fears, old insecurities, old bondages and addictions to fall off in the name of Jesus. When we believe for your freedom, we believe for your power, we believe for your grace to come powerful way. We thank you for that. Man, we can, you know, if you still want to pray, you can stay in that place. Trust in God. If you want to pray for someone with you, you want to speak out a prayer, go ahead and do that. Um, and we're going to let the worship team lead us into this song. And let's, let's agree together for the work that God is doing in our lives and in the world around us.